Hello there. Hello there. <laughs> it's like oh. like he's fallen through like the the roof of the girls' locker room. Hello there. But he's but he's Hello dropped. There. He's dropped about two hundred feet. Like he should not be okay. Anyway, doesn't <laughs> Jedi is fine. No, it, everything's done on a, on a fucking green screen. Um, oh, we got this covered. Reckon that John Favreau and George Lucas both hated the Last Jedi. Really? Yep. Anyway, we completely fucking gone on a tangent already. We haven't even got through the intro. Hello and welcome to the Oncast. My name is Dom. As one half of the Oncast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. Hello there. Hello there. General Kenobi. Hello there. It's the PS5. <laughs> In this episode, we're talking about the new release Netflix film, The Five Bloods, directed by Spike Lee, starring Delroy Lindo, Clark Peters, and Chadwick Boseman. Yes. There you go. Got there in the end. So got there. We got there. We've done it. So there's a new film. Way Actual new film that we... Uh, oh, no, that we definitely watched... We did watch Legally. Yeah, but no, we, what are you talking about? We've watched everything we watched, we've watched, everything we've watched Legally. legally. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But they've, they are now we're starting to see that all the... Um, obviously, we're still in the, the pandemic, as you all know. There's no movies coming out in the cinema, but there's a few of the different um, streaming services are starting to release original movies now. So we've had, like, Disney Plus just um, this week had um, Artemis Fowl, which apparently is awful. Uh, I don't know if we can actually stomach that, but that's that. Um, nah. But Netflix have released the new Spike Lee film, which they already had in the can and was already going to be released. But in the climate we're in, it's exciting that we get a new film from a uh, filmmaker like Spike Lee. And because yeah. it's released on Netflix, we can all watch it and we can talk about it. So, The yeah. Five Bloods. We have a Oh, spoke- man. What do you think? I fucking really, really like this film. It's really good, isn't it? It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Um, I, yeah, I, uh, I, you know, it's not the most amazing film, like, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's not, I don't know, like, I've really, really enjoyed this film. I have a couple of reservations with it. Yeah, me too. But like, um, to be, to, to, to sort of put this up front. I think this is a performance that Delroy Lindo needs an Oscar for. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I think that is the standout um, of the whole thing. Um, it is I absolutely think he needs like for, I don't know, best, uh, best supporting or I don't know, but like he fucking, yeah. Absolutely. Bottom line, get that man an Oscar, Oscar nom for this because uh, I know um, the Oscars hate Netflix. and um but yeah i fucking absolutely think this needs to be given serious serious recognition i mean before the deck is you know the the deck is stacked against him so i I would be very surprised but at least he should get a nomination but yeah we'll see i mean if put it this way if you know one of the last movies we watched you know that we reviewed was um just mercy and if Jamie Foxx yeah. and Michael B. Jordan can't get nominated for that, how the hell is he going to get nominated for this Netflix film? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, but anyway, yeah. that's besides the point. Um, the sort of, if, for those of you who don't know anything about what this is, it's basically it's a Vietnam movie, essentially. But what it is, it's told through the perspective of Vietnam vets 
Um, it's a group of black Vietnam vets who are coming back to the country in modern day to sort of relive some stuff that went on in their past and reclaim some yeah. buried gold, essentially. And you know this from the tra- trailer. The idea is at some point during the war, when they were there in the 60s or late 70s, early 70s, they found some gold that was going to be used to pay some of the, um, the rebels to fight the Viet Cong. Um, yeah. And instead of doing what they were meant to do with it, they decided to bury it, and then they said they'd come back for it later. And so now, years later, they're now in their sort of sixties and seventies. These guys, and they've decided to come back and reclaim it. But also, there's another sort of element to it, which I won't spoil. Um, yeah. But that's essentially the story. It's about these four guys who all have different, you know, all went through that experience when they were younger, and now have grown apart and had. They all had their own issues as a result of what happened to them when they were you know, in Nam. Um, and now they're re-exploring it again. And it really, really is a film about PTSD. Oh, yeah, like, by large. Like, that's, that's the main thrust of it, really. Um, and that is centred around uh, Delroy's character. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, you're, like you say, he absolutely steals it. And he is the whole linchpin of the whole thing, really. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, he's fucking brilliant in this. I... Um... Like early on, there were, I don't know, like part of this film, like early on, I was like, I know where this film's going to go. And I was completely okay with it. And then as the film progressed, I was like, oh, it's, it's going in a very different way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They add add some interesting wrinkles into it. Um, Yeah. Which we'll talk like post spoiler tag. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's so it's it basically it starts and is shown in Vietnam. Like you don't see the really his, like that. There's no, we never see their life back in the states. The idea is that these no. guys who haven't seen each other, we assume they haven't seen each other for a very long time. Like the the film opens with them sort of meeting at, in the hotel lobby, having flown in, and they're like, "Hey, I can't believe we're here," and like and just and sort of reconnecting as as friends. Yeah. And then they go out on the town, but you see what Vietnam has become like now and how different yeah. it is for them. And like the idea, like it's, they walk, they walk past the McDonald's and they, and they go to, you know, they go out drinking and there's a big, like um, apocalypse now poster on the wall. Cause it's like, it's their trade. The, people are trading off from a tourism. They're trading in tourism. They're yeah. trading in tourism off the war that these guys fought. But then they're also aware that yeah. not only are they there, there's also obviously all the, all the veterans from Vietnam, the native veterans who they would have, would have been their en- enemies. 40 years prior and that comes with its own set of issues and and it's layered in throughout the whole film like every every single person they meet throughout the whole thing is like they've got a backstory or like the war has affected every single person in this country yeah and they were Uh, but one of the things that could we sort of slightly missed there was in a um so spike lee for anyone who's unfamiliar with him spike lee's incredibly uh he's quite political to put it like that's putting it mildly yeah <laughs> so the, yeah, the last he's, movie he's, he made was black Klansman. Yeah, yeah which was the true story well we've done an episode on it i think i don't i don't think we did actually i don't think we did okay well we talked about it but we didn't I, for some reason we didn't get around to it um okay that we are remiss in our duties because that black Klansman was great and you should all go watch it oh uh, yeah it was fucking brilliant yeah um, but yeah, so Spike Lee's uh, like quite politically charged in a lot of the sort of the way that he makes films and stuff, and especially in this one, it 
it's shown to amazing effect because speaking as speaking from somebody who is a not american and b white mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of this stuff that i'm just not aware of yeah you know i'm not i'm not au fait with like vietnam war history and um from what i the you know the cursory understanding that, that i do have is very tainted by films like apocalypse now and yeah. forrest gump and full metal jacket and um all of these sort of um sort of american sort of super patriotic yeah like it's vietnam weird film. vietnam is a weird one because it's like it's like a pop culture war it's you know what i mean because the, you the first thing yeah. you think of like the first thing you, that springs to your mind i suppose with vietnam for me is music there are there are yeah. certain pieces of music and that's some it's flight of the valkyries but it's also all the cool like you know clear as clear yeah. or revival and like and the rolling stones and Jimi hendrix and all that kind of stuff it's like yeah vietnam yeah. had the coolest soundtrack man but it's like no nah, it was a war yeah. people died like it's yeah, not it's and not there okay. was like there were atrocities committed during that war yeah. from like again like cursory understanding mm. i know that there was like a massacre by an american captain just massacred entire city yeah and it and took like, his own troops to sort of save these people and like mutiny against him but without being aware that they were sort of mutineering yeah and that's something that's touched on in this but then what it does is it it layers in these uh real world like imagery of like video and yeah. um like like so film and images photography from the time to demonstrate these sort of important lessons. So yeah. one, for example, is that the um, the first, uh, I think it was the first person who was killed in as a result of the war was uh, a young African-American guy who jumped on a grenade and yes. won the, the Medal of Honor. Absolutely, yeah. And that's like, I remember they make a good point. Because they? they're, they're walking down the street saying, they oh, show did a you... picture of him. Yeah, but they're like, guys, did you ever watch those Rambo movies? And they're laughing about how stupid the Rambo movies are coming in and saying, you know, winning the war after it was already over. He goes, now give me a movie yeah. about a guy like this, who was a true hero, who was the first African-American man to ever be awarded a um, Medal of Honor. In fact, Medal of Honor. Yeah, so... Um... The Purple Heart? No, uh, Purple Heart is when you get sent home. Yeah, like you say, and like they fret at the beginning of the movie, there's all this news footage and all this, and they, mm-hmm. um, and like, it's unfortunate, well, it's not unfortunate. The film's come out and it's already now been, so it, it's, like I say, it can't not be politicized because it's a Spike Lee movie. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it's, um, Like they, for anyone James, that's sorry, not James, aware, like James Anderson Jr. was the guy's name. He was a Marine and yeah, sacrificed his life smothering a grenade with his own body. Yeah. In 1967. They go, James Anderson Jr. Why isn't there a movie about him? And they quite rightly ask that question. And it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, we've got yeah. American Sniper and we've got, you know, all that sort of stuff where, where, where you know, we've got um, Haxel Ridge. Last Man Standing, Haxel Ridge, yeah, Born just, Survivor, uh, Last yeah. Man, uh, Final Survivors all these survival films of white guys yeah um in like behind, modern behind, war and then like, you get like fictional stuff as well yeah, behind, oh, behind enemy like lines glamorizing and, like um, behind enemy lines but born on the fourth of july forrest gump all of these different things that are glamorizing yeah. this but are addressing the fact and there's like like probably one in ten guy, ten white guys that you'll see in a vietnam film yeah uh, like they'll be like 
nine or ten white guys and then one black guy. Yeah. And that wasn't the case either. Like there were more African American <clears throat> soldiers out there than people were led to believe, and they were the first yeah. lot sent out, and they were, and they they, they were the and, guys that were on the on the front lines. And yeah, like, and they really they weren't really highlight it. It's like, and even to the point where they like the Vietnamese use it as propaganda. Yeah, like they have that really like they break it down, don't they? It's like you are only eleven percent of the population of the United States, and yet you make up a make up something like forty five percent of the fighting force over here. So why is that? It's, yeah. Why is it so disproportionate? Why are there so many of you? over here yeah. fight, fighting and that's you know and that over and at that point in america like they had like the rights you, you know they were being and like the really sad thing and again we, i don't want to get too political on this but like the things that were you know the shit that they were putting up with in america in terms of yeah. you know police brutality and you hear some of the and it's again it's real footage of you know black protesters and activists saying why are our soldiers going over there when over here we are still dealing with police brutality and oppression and then you think about yeah. we're watching this and it's 2020 and it's the same shit's going on yeah it's like the, it's, it's the systemic racism that is yeah. still going on to this day yeah but they're no, also yeah. like one of one of the like more outspoken people about vietnam was muhammad ali the film starts with, <laughs> quote, with muhammad ali that's how the movie opens is yeah. muhammad ali saying why would i go over there and fight for them they've never you know called me they've they've never abused me why would i go and fight they've never set dogs on me they've never yeah, exactly. done this and they've never done that and like there's obviously there's phraseology and wording that we won't use no but yeah it's 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 so important but it's these things that i just wasn't aware of because i was just like oh you know film has just taught me this about <laughs> yeah. vietnam and the books have just taught me this about vietnam and the the curse again like cursory understanding that i've got mm. you know it's ignorance on my part but at the same time like you know yeah uh yeah it's like i'm not too into like war war things yeah but i think at the same time, I, did, like, I remember when it was one of the things i did at university actually was a whole study on like um media wars and there was a whole module all about vietnam and how vietnam was the, yeah. was the first war to have like cameras on in the field and how that changed the narrative and that's how the whole yeah. thing where like the, like the, the story that these guys get when we got home and everyone called us baby killers and all the rest of it. Yeah. It was the first war where that could happen because it was the first war in an era where there were reporters in the field with cameras and, and they just, and they documented everything. And so it meant the nation turned against the war in, the, in a very similar way than they did in the Iraq war. But previous to that, that never happened. It was no. just support the troops, the good old boys going out. And then, and, but that's the thing that there's so much like, history and like back and so there's the whole thing where uh, again Leroy's character Paul is, is the name of the character um has his whole big rant at a uh, character played by Delroy yeah Delroy's, what did I say Leroy oh fuck's sake Paul the, the character's name is Paul um he has a big yeah. long rant at um a character played by Jean Reno yeah and again he's he's again like they he himself has a cursory understanding of what happened in World War Two. And he has like yeah. comes across with yeah. this stupid, like ignorant American or we say giraffes in World War Two attitude to this French man who then goes, You have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. And it's like, yeah, you know about this war because you fought in it, but it doesn't that doesn't mean that you know everything. <laughs> and yeah. But that was great. And it was yeah, there was there were so many great moments in it. And there are moments of levity and there are moments where it does make you laugh. 
Um, yeah, and that absolutely, there are some really, really funny bits in there. There's some quite light moments. There are some quite touching moments as well. Yeah. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a film about four friends reconnecting in a way and all sharing yeah. who, sh- who shared trauma. Um, and the other thing I think, because we haven't really, we haven't mentioned it, but the other thing that I loved about the way he made this is the whole way he did the flashbacks. Yes, so this is something that I wanted to bring up as well. Yeah, because I loved it. when that when I first saw him do that, and then when I realised that that he set that up as like a a convention, if you like, of how he was going to do them going forward, I was like, "Oh, this yeah. is great! This is perfect." Because so yeah. what what Spike Lee basically does is he has he's telling the story of the of the veterans, but he then flashes back to them in Nam finding mm-hmm. the gold for the first time, and there's this fifth character who is no longer there who's um, Norman, Stormy Norman, who was played by Chadwick Boseman. And he was like their sort of spiritual and, you know, military leader. He was the captain who yeah. led their team. Um, but every time it cuts back to one of these sequences, the, the aspect ratio changes. So it goes into like Super yeah. 8, 4 by 3 Yeah. And it just... And the, obviously immediately... the rest of the film is in like 4K. It's in yeah, HDR. It's... Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's in widescreen. And yeah. it's... It looks amazing. I mean, the, the and then opening, it cuts yeah. to like thirty-five mil stock. Yeah, and you're like, the, this is amazing. But just just cutting the edges off like that and making it see, like say, like, it feels like a home movie. But then I love, like, the first time it does that is is them is the most stereotypical like Vietnam war scene you've ever seen. It's a bunch of guys landing in a helicopter in the middle of the field and kicking ass, basically. Yeah, and, but even like the music is like this really like soaring like and it's a score and it's all heroic and they're just mowing people down and being really cool. And it's like, already I can see what you've done it because it's like, this is not even necessarily what happened, but this is how they've romanticized no. it in their head. Exactly. And so it feels like a movie. It. This is how they see it to the point where, although Chad McBoseman is there, and I love, this is the best choice that he did in the whole thing is that he's got all the actors playing them. They don't, he hasn't recast them with younger people. No, they've not been digitally de-aged. Nope, they're just the old men. He's just got the old guys playing the young guys. Yeah, they're just playing their younger selves, but looking as they do now and interacting with Chadwick Boseman's character. And also, I mean, Chadwick is like, he he gets put front and centre of all the marketing because he's recognisable. He's the guy, obviously, everyone doesn't know who Chadwick Boseman is. He is Black Panther. Yeah. Um, and he gets yeah. If you you know log on to Netflix and all the rest of it, and you, he's front and center, despite the fact that it's it's uh, Delroy's film really, and and that whole group and Clark Peters as well. Yeah, it's like an ensemble cast, but I yeah. mean, Del, I think it's an, an ensemble, but Delroy's without a shadow. Yeah, of I think I mean a certain of the other lot, the, the there's the guy. Oh, shit, he's the guy. She. Mm guy who's from the wire who has to do that i can't believe that he couldn't get through the whole film without doing that stupid thing where yeah. he elongates shit out forever it's like his signature thing anyway he doesn't get as much to do as the others like there are, although there is a, like I say there is an ensemble there's a clear leaning towards uh delroy and clark peters but then added on top of that you've got all these flashback sequences with chabot boseman and he's brilliant <laughs> Chadwick Boseman is so good. Like, although he he like he doesn't have that much screen time in this movie, you understand why they love him so much and why he was such an international yeah. leader. To, because he's just got charisma. He's just like it's yeah. You, you, it's and like this kind is of thing an like, era when there are these were like these hugely inspirational people around. 
Yeah, and they lean the... into the fact that you know this is and this is quite clearly the time that you know Martin Luther King and uh, Malcolm X were you know very very front and center at this time. And Martin Luther King was one of the biggest uh, outspoken sort of critics of the Vietnam War and uh, and they sort of lean into that as well by having this character be the bridge between them. Yeah, he's kind of, and he's like so they Norman Norman him. sort of. That yeah. he sort of talks about like that it's not he's like it's not just Martin Luther King's perspective that matters it's not just Malcolm X's perspective that matters it's both of it and it's this is what this is and this is what this means for us and this is what we need to do as African Americans in America during this time and this is how that we need to do this and how we need to do that and he's this like idyllic uh, sort of I don't want to say you sort of like messianic figure, but he's got... like idolized like by the by all of these guys. I was like, literally they, every thinking... single one of them was yeah, like and... looked up to him. And, and but but you because you only ever see him in these flashbacks, the, these sort of like mm. uh, hyper reality flashbacks. It makes you sort of question it again. It's like yeah. are they looking back in rose tinted glasses like? in this nostalgic way and being like, ah, oh, this is the good old days and, you know, this, that and the other. And, you know, I, I hesitate to use the term good old boys because that is, um, uh, as I've recently learned through, through reading some stuff is, uh, a bit of a synonym, uh, uh, for, um, white men in America to be like, well, you know, we're racist, but you know, that's just the way we are. We don't really mean it. We just like saying the N word and you're like, no, so apparently that's like a term that I'm going to sort of try and avoid using <laughs> because I didn't realize that that's what it meant. But at the same time, like, yeah, you look at it and you're like, oh God, this is, is, is he slight, a little bit, bit larger than life? Was he what they remembered? Was he mm. better? Was he worse? And at the end of the day, it's like, it doesn't matter Yeah, because that's not what it's about. Yeah, he's the framing device from the past of this guy that they all looked up to when they were kids. Yeah, you know because these guys aren't like crotchety old men. They are guys that are fifty years old, uh, fifty years on. Should I say not fifty years old? Like fifty years on, like they're guys in their like late sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so they they would have been like teenagers and young young men at this point. Yeah, I think of like when I when they were flashing back, like my sort of point of reference for what they would have been like at that point, because like you say, they use the older actors to play them. But I always think mm. of Lawrence Fishburne in um, Apocalypse Now. Yeah, because that was like the perfect bit of casting that. Because when you look back at it now, you don't even rec- he's like unrecognizable because he's that young in Apocalypse Now. But also like uh, one of the more sort of perfect parts of the casting for that was that. Um, he lied about his age. Yeah, exactly. Which is yeah, and that's that's the whole story. It's like an interesting about it, yeah. that he lied about his age to be able to be in this film, which is one of the reasons that he looks so much younger as well. Yeah, yeah. which is so, like, is a is a reflection of the kind of stuff that went on, like where guys would lie about their age to get into you know to go and serve with yeah, their friends and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I mean. Yeah, I mean, to get into the plot, I mean, basically, that is it. It's a, it's a fetch quest, almost. It is the guys going over to Nam to find this thing. They've got a whole plan about how they're going to get the gold out and how they're going to... And, and again, part of it is reclaiming and seeing um, 
Chadwick Boseman's character, we know he doesn't make it, we know because he's not there now. That's yeah. not a spoiler to say that. No, but no, no. Um, that's early on as well. Like, yeah, we know it's like, after it's we get the intro, you see that there are four four guys there. Yeah, and the film's called The Five Bloods. Like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Um, yeah, but so that is part of it as well as retrieving his remains, but also the gold. Um, and that's kind of it. That's, there isn't much more of like, there are other characters and things they meet along the way. Um, there are, you know, this group of French guys who are there to remove mines. Um, and there are obviously the locals, the Vietnamese. Um, I mean, the only sort of downside, the biggest sort of criticism I have of the whole thing is that it just, I feel like because it's a Netflix release, he's mm. been allowed to have it be longer than it. Yeah. Would normally no, be. I, was, I, and I feel the same. I think, like, if it was a cinema release, there would have been a two-hour cut, and it would have been tighter. I think there are certain yeah. scenes where he, there are scenes, not individual, not like whole sections that you could cut out, but there are like scenes just go on for too long. Yeah, there are and scenes, it's, and it's amazing because you are getting to see like this amazing country. Yeah, and you are getting to see an awful lot of like this in this character development. This, this, um. Uh, like the guys sort of having their time together, but then again, there there are big chunks, and you're like, this is, well, this is going on a bit longer. It's going thought. on for ages. The, yeah. the film is two hours and thirty five minutes. Yeah, it's not a short film. That's, that's, yeah. It's not short, but also there are a few bits here or there where it does drag a little bit. Yeah, like conversations are led on for too long. Yeah, yeah, and things are things that happen that it's like if you cut, you could cut out like five seconds of every minute, sort of thing, yeah. in some way or another. Yeah. And you could shorten the film by, you know, I don't know, like however long that works out to be. Uh, mathematically, I don't want to do the maths. It's late and I'm a few beers in. So, uh, but yeah, it's just, um, but it is slightly a little bit too long. I mean, the there is some that I want to talk about post-spoilers that I want yeah. to have a slight hindrance with, mm. but it's not anything that, really affected the overall perspective I have of the film. It's not one of those things that I'm like, I really liked it, but yeah. it's I, one I've of those got, films where I'm I've like, I really bit. like this film. I've got similar, but there's and, a bit where I, it, yeah, put it this way, there's, a, there's one part in this film, and this isn't a spoiler, where it reminded me a little bit too much of Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Not in a good way. Um, <laughs> because this, Tropic Thunder is a comedy, uh, and this is very serious. Yeah. Oh, well, mostly serious with the, with the odd bit of levity. Um, I mean, I'm not sure what else there is to say before we get into spoilers, really. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's brilliantly no, well-directed. I mean, little really bit of time frame, I think, in a similar way to like some of the Tarantino films recently, since he lost his um, editor. I think yeah. they can, the last sort of three Tarantino films have all been ridiculously long um, yeah. and could do with a bit of an edit. But that doesn't make them any less good. Like All the content that's there is great. It's just there's you know, too much of a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's a lot of amazing content in that place and in that film, but just a tiny bit too much. Yeah. But that's, um, and that's the thing. It's not one of those, again, like, I go back to it and say, it's not one of those films that I go, I really like it, but. Yeah. It's one of those films that I say, I really like this film. Yeah. I think it's one of those where it's the the fact that it's Spike Lee and he's, the choices that he makes elevate what otherwise could have been a very perfunctory sort of seen it a million times sort of film. 
Um, yeah. Or even like, you know, not, not even you've seen it a million times. If it had been a lesser director and they decided we're going to make this film about, you know, black um, veterans or the Vietnam War, it would have been a bit very much more basic, straightforward, um, perfunctory almost Oscar bait. Yeah. Whereas because it's Spike Lee, you get like the 40, the, the change up to Super 8 style with the 4x3. And you yeah. also get scenes like, again, as a showcase for uh, Delroy, he has this scene where he's just talking to camera. Yeah. He just talks directly to camera for about five minutes. Uh, and that's like a stylistic it. choice that, that like, there's no. He, and he that's the thing. Like, Spike Lee does that in quite a few of his films. Yeah, he, he has those moments where you just go, because he, he is with, without a shadow of a doubt, he is this amazing sort of auteur and he can pull so much out Yeah, and he can, he can get such diff- vastly different performances from from actors that might only put in sort of straightforward performances in other roles. But he, because of who he is and because of how he talks and because of the way that he sees the world and the way that he understands race and understands the differences in it and isn't afraid to call this out. Mm. You know, he this is, don't forget, this is the guy who is probably not ever going to get Oscar nominated again because of Oscars so white and because of all the things that he'd said about the Oscars publicly has probably put the Academy's nose out of joint sort of thing. But at the same time, like you've really got to lean into it. You've really got to respect the guy for being a filmmaker. That's just like, "Ah, fuck it. I'm not bowing down to the Academy. Mm. I'm not bowing down to the Academy because they're not doing this because they put in, as we've said previously on like the just mercy episode, what the Academy would deem as their, like their yearly racism is bad film. Yeah. You know, and that's the, that's one of the things I respect so much about Spike Lee is that he's just not afraid to say these things and to do these things and to put in something that's, that is a five minute monologue of Delroy Lindo talking down to camera or having these changing the aspect ratio, not only just the aspect ratio, but the whole style of the film. Yeah. Exactly. I, yeah, I still can't go over that. That whole opening, the the fight sequence, essentially, just put a massive. Because I was yeah. like, I see what you're doing here. You've made it. All those those ridiculous, those silly Vietnam movies that this isn't. You're now parodying yeah. almost in a way with the characters that we've just got, yeah. we've just met, and it's like, oh, this is brilliant. Like, that was when yeah. I was like, that's when I clicked into the movie and went, oh, this is gonna be great. Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, and at first, honestly, it didn't click for a few minutes for me and I was like this is weird yeah and then I was like ah it was, I, think I think it was I think it was when Chad Mick fired his third grenade because he yeah. just kept peppering that hillside with grenades I'm like this is a bit silly <laughs> I went oh wait now I see what you're doing and then it was like this is exactly the kind of silly shit that you were talking about I was like yeah this makes yeah. sense this makes so much sense yeah uh, yeah I'm yeah, completely, completely sold on this film. I absolutely, a hundred percent recommend anyone to go and yeah. see it. Um, um, another standout again in the cast, uh, Clark Peters, who is yeah. like he's been brilliant for years. He's like a great like character actor. He's most people will know him from The Wire, um, but he pops up in loads of other stuff. Like he's, he was in his Dark Materials. He was in um, John Wick. He's been in loads yeah. of little things, but he he's brilliant. And again, he gets an opportunity to be a lead in this, which doesn't happen very often. Usually he's always a sidekick or, you know, a, a bit part player on TV. But um, yeah, he gets a lot to do and there's a story involving him and his past in connection with what happened to him in 
in Nam, which is really interesting the way they explore that. And I think yeah. it's really different from um, Paul's arc. I yes. think what's good is they all four of them have a completely different outcome having come out of the war essentially um yeah i think it would have been interesting is how they react to different things there as well like yeah uh Isaiah whitlock jr yeah that's the she yeah so guy, like yeah, uh the, yeah. yeah Isaiah whitlock jr is like another standout guy like guy in this because because of how he um I don't know, like, he seems to be a little bit more sort of laid back and a bit chilled out about it all. But then all of a sudden, like, you'll see it come out, like, there's a scene when he gets drunk. Yeah. And it just blows up. Yeah. And yeah. he just can't control it anymore. Yeah. And it's about this, like, all this stuff that is just very, very below the surface for these mm. guys. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's yeah. interesting is that it sort of shows those shades of PTSD, essentially. Because there's one cat who is full on like this is PTSD, others not so much, and it's there are there's more of a spectrum in that, and they, I suppose they could have done they could have spent more time on that, but they they do a really good job with what's there. But yeah, they do a great job. Like they don't need to spend that much time in it because no. it is we understand that these are all these this various varied sort of spectrum of the effects these guys have had and like how they've moved away following. Um, and how they've like moved on in mm. their lives and they've come back together in this, but it's how they've moved on as well. So Delroy Paul um, hasn't like, he's talking about like, again, mild spoilers. Like it's not even really a spoiler to be honest. Like he's like a, um, a black Trump voter. Yeah. And they, and like he's like a MAGA hat wearing. Yeah, exactly. And that, but, well, like the MAGA hat is a big is a big deal. Like he's trudging around Vietnam with the MAGA hat on. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and um, it's like, and then that's like this symbolic reference is that he, so he sees all of this. It's almost like the flashback scenes are in Paul's head. Yeah. And that's how he's seeing like America was great. Yeah. And this is the great America doing this, and he idolizes. Like his father, who served in World War Two and was on Normandy, um, and the way that, that you know he believes that America saved the war for everybody, and then, like you say, like Jean Reno quickly corrects him and sort of puts him in his place and calls him ignorant, calls him arrogant, and sort of immediately quickly shuts him down and I love, humiliates I love, him. I love seeing Jean Reno again as well. When he when he first was like, oh my god, it's Jean Reno. I've seen this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Where have you been? <laughs> yeah, eating, eating lots. It looks John like it. Yeah, got a bit of a spread going on. Like, good yeah. on the guy. I mean, he's, I reckon like, he, he probably owns a massive vineyard somewhere. It's just yeah, absolutely <laughs> good on him. Like that guy's fucking a worker. <laughs> you know, he's hanging out. He's enjoying his wine. He's not really given too much of a fuck about too many things. No. And I respect that. I respect yeah. the fuck out of that man. Because he's put in some amazing performances over the years. Leon, yeah. for example, was an yeah. amazing film. I mean, uh, Godzilla. message in a couple of it, but yeah. Godzilla, Godzilla, Godzilla yeah. When he played Elvis Presley. Yeah, because if, if you choo chewing that, you very much. Be more American. Yeah. That's the French Foreign Legion. And that's, that's but it they, works. It fucking works. It shouldn't, but it does. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Complete tangent. Um, anyway, so yeah, I mean, 
yeah, really great, great movie. Really interesting. It's come out at a time when obviously these issues about you know Black it Lives Matter. Come out and, at a time. True, but it just like it's there are things in there, and obviously it was made before everything that's happened this year. Um, mm-hmm. But it's and it, and it happened to have come out. But the things, particularly sort of the bookends of the movie, if you like, the stuff at the very beginning and the stuff at the very end, is just oh my god, this is so relevant. And it's almost like depressingly so in some ways, like some of the stuff that they were talking yeah. about back in the 60s, like I said, I said earlier. Yeah. Um, but definitely worth a watch. Um, and it's, yeah, a proper cinematic movie. Yeah. I'm kind of disappointed. Watch on the that biggest we... screen possible, you know, like I'm... Yeah, I wish you that... Say disappointed we couldn't have seen this at the cinema. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I feel I like it would have been amazing. Um, particularly like that sort of, that jarring, where they're changing the aspect ratio. I think the impact of mm. that would have been great on a big screen um no i agree but at the same time i feel like a film like this couldn't have get made this is exactly the kind of thing we were talking about you know a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about films being made because of the streaming services i feel like netflix giving him the green light and the platform to make this in the way that he wanted to make it probably yeah. wouldn't have happened if there was if there had been a studio movie behind it um no i mean he still would, black- there would have been a lot more studio interference or yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, like he, wouldn't have, he wouldn't have got the same budget. Yeah. But like, yeah, you look at, so Black Klansman, he, he made that and it was great, but it was still a co-starring role with Adam Driver. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like if, if there had been, a, if he tried to make this at a studio and release it as a cinema movie, they would have probably had at least one of the, te- one of the crew be a white guy. Yeah. Or something. Uh, or they would have, or some, they would have done something. They would have fucked with him somehow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they would have done something to sort of put about, or well, well, yeah, to get the money that he would have needed. But yeah. that's the benefit with Netflix is that they are quite happy to throw money at it. Yeah, they'd be like, you know, not not so much the Netflix agreeing it, but Netflix has this investment capability to be able to put into smaller projects. Yeah, you know, and then they can divulge more. Uh, within the film because they've got the money and because they've got the runtime and because you're at home watching it. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be as uncomfortable in a movie theater for two hours and 40 minutes or what would be, you know, a total time of what, three hours, 10 minutes. If this was like, like a UK release. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We get with... half an hour of trailers and the yeah. adverts before you get 10 minutes of adverts, half an hour of trailers and uh, more adverts as well. So yeah. yeah, that would have been like a, Three and a bit, three hours, fifteen probably. God, I miss the cinema. Same. <laughs> Can't wait. I live cinema. fucking one hundred meters from a cinema. Yeah, it's a great little cinema, yours as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And oh. I used to just, just used to just pop in on a Saturday. Oh, what are you doing this afternoon, Tom? Don't know. Might go to the cinema. Oh yeah, yeah. It's only cost me like six quid. Mm. Oh, that's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. What do you do now on the weekend? I don't know, go outside, walk around outdoors or something. Apparently there's a whole thing they're going to do, like look, there's loads of re-releases going to happen. Good. Um, Give me a moment. I'm just going to fucking live there, man. Yeah. Um, anyway. Gis it. What would you say? Guess it. Guess it. Guess it. Guess it. Guess it, cinema. Guess it. Cinema, guess it. Uh, the last thing you said that about was Star Wars Squadrons. All wings reporting. Yeah. Star Wars Squadron. Get it. 
anyway, right. Um, that's about as much as we can say without spoiling. Let's just do a quick spoiler tag now. Um, so if you haven't seen it, go and check out well, the Buds. It's very easy to get hold of. Obviously, it's on Netflix. Um, and thanks for listening. But here's a bit of a spoiler tag. Spoiler tag, spoilers. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. It was fucking oh, funny oh. when his arms blew off. Oh, Jesus. It shouldn't have been funny, but it was. Like, it, it shouldn't it, it, have been funny. But it was, oh, wasn't no, it? It was. I'm so glad that you reacted the same way because I was watching it. I <laughs> And I'm just like, oh my god! I was like, are you gonna tis but a scratch? <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to say it, but um, I was like, this shouldn't be funny. Oh god! Or, or right, just like, yeah, I immediately I was like, oh no, I'm gonna. Well, laugh. Ben Stiller, um, with his, <laughs> yeah, with his his death scene with them um, in Tropic Thunder. Oh, God. So I was thinking of that as a, you and my brother, you and my brother, <laughs> with me tinkling the ivories. And look at his hands, and his hands are just completely mangled. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Um, yeah, so basically, sorry, we're, apparently, basically what happens is, and it's inevitable, because you, you meet these, um, these characters, these French characters, who are there to dispose um, landmines. And the minute that happens, then at every point through the movie, I'm waiting, and then he steps on landmine, and yeah. then he steps on. so just any minute. So when they were like finding all the gold, that whole sequence, which again, that's one of the scenes that went on for way too long, I thought. But there was a bit where um, yeah. where one of the characters is going around with a metal detector, and he's going, oh, "I found another one. I found another one." They're finding all these individual bars of gold. I'm like, any minute now, he's going to find one of those things, and he's going. Yeah. To- Obviously, it's like the most obvious thing. Obvi- and then, and then when it does happen, it's um, the yeah Norm. I think is the name of the character. No, Eddie, isn't it? Eddie, and he's just yeah. he's walking backwards. He's walking backwards for ages. And they even lampshade it. The guy goes, "This guy walks backwards when he talks." What the fuck? Like, yeah, he just steps on a landmine. Obviously, he steps on a landmine. Like, oh. um, and yeah, it shouldn't be funny because then he and then you see him basically he doesn't just die which is what would usually happen when someone gets blown up by that there's just an explosion and they're gone in this they sort of show oh no the horrors of war and all everything and, and like his legs are completely blown off which is and horrific in and of itself but then you, you they go over to him and his arms are just like stubs with and it's i tell you what the, what's funny is the little spurts of blood coming out of each of them yeah and it's like it, it because... does look like monty python it does it shouldn't be funny but it is i'm sorry <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, yeah, that was the same thing that I had. I was <laughs> like when it happened I was like, oh no. <laughs> like they couldn't like it would have been It was just the arms. Um, if you just didn't do the arms it would have been fine. Because he has oh, no they should have just killed him. Like they no, shouldn't have had his... the yeah, he has his goodbye. Because he doesn't bit. say anything. He says blood. He doesn't really say. Yeah, but like, it would have been like, that just, I don't know, that bit felt a little bit tacked on. Like, they should have been like, where the fuck is he? Because, yeah, a lot of the time, like, landmines do, like, blow off limbs, which is a, legitimately one of the worst things ever made by man. 
Yeah, and that, well, that is what, um, what they then come back to right at the very end is that one of the you know some of the gold gets donated to the charity whose goal is to eliminate landmines, and they have a bunch of kids out the front of them with who have lost limbs. Um, and like you say, yeah. that is that's a real thing, um, and that's some of those. Again, moments... that's the thing that I wasn't aware of. Like I wasn't aware that landmines were in operation in no. Vietnam. Yeah. Like I was aware that they were in World War Two, which is where they were most widely used, and I know that they've been used in like wartime, like Sudan and like Iraq and Iran. And, like there's the um, uh, uh, IEDs or sort of circumstances that we have now, but like the actual, I was not aware that like to the level of like land mining that happened in Vietnam. Yeah, no, no, genuinely, it was, I found that really, really jarring. Like from a personal perspective and just being like, I had no idea. But then the fact that, like you say, it was, it was telegraphed early on because they were like, these people get rid of landmines. Yeah. Yeah. Like like they could have, and yeah, but it's like, it's one of the difficult things. If they hadn't telegraphed it. uh, Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I can't think of a like. Obviously, I'm, I'm not a filmmaker, and I'm nowhere near the sort of skill or caliber of somebody like Spike Lee. Um, but there was just. I don't know. I felt that that was a bit. I don't know. Didn't feel right to me. It felt like if they'd have, if they'd have been less telegraphed with it, it would have had more of an emotional resonance for me. Yeah. And if they didn't have him do the bloods at the end yeah then it would have had a little bit more of a more powerful yeah i know i know it's, reaction um, for me as well yeah it's but then i mean it, that's then immediately followed up by a great scene which is because it's something we didn't we didn't talk about pre-spoilers at all um is the fact that the guys are joined on their journey by um delavoy's character's son and that becomes a whole prison through which you view his PTSD and his relationship with his son is a whole like thing throughout the whole movie. Um, but then, yeah, following that scene um, with the landmine, he then steps on a landmine and they have a very, very tense sequence where they have to try and get him oh. off the landmine. And that was... And it's that moment that Delroy, that Paul is talking to his son. Yeah. And he's saying about like, you went to this university because of it, because this guy at this university did this. Yeah. And like, has told him all of this stuff about, you know, this is how you need to be proud of your culture, right? Mm. So you, and you like, you know that his son has been taught this from a very early age. So he's not a terrible dad, but he's a very sick man that needs help. Yeah. And he's Absolutely, never yeah. been able to get that help. Yeah, well, it's not even, yeah, and, it's like, that's the, again, it's something they, they kind of touch on a little bit, but don't really delve into is that, it's not even that he's unwilling to get that. It, he's unable to get the help. It's that he's unwilling to, because like it's uh, again, yeah. Clark, Clark Peer's character says to him, I'll take you down the VA. You've got PTSD. You need support. And that, that sort of says to me that Clark Peer's has also, he's had support. He's gone and got it. He, yeah. he knew that he needed help, but he went and got it. Whereas Delroy's character is like, no, he knows that he might need help, but he's like that that macho, you know, the whole stupid thing, which is, you know, the stigma of mental health. He goes, I ain't yep. got no fucking PTSD, fuck you. And he won't admit it to himself, won't admit that he's got a problem, won't go and get help because he feels like that's a sign of weakness. Um, yeah. 
and that is a whole sort of yeah again it's just touched upon it's not really delved into in a lot more detail than that but you know that is what it is and similar with a couple of other things i mean like they, they talk about pill addiction and and uh, you know the opioid crisis the opioid epidemic that they've got in america they, they talk about that they talk about financial issues that they have one of the characters is completely flat broke um yeah because... but also they talk about like when we were saying about the differences in like the spectrum in which they talk about ptsd like there's one character who seems like largely unaffected by it mm. But um, he's an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, well, that's, oh, okay. Like, because he's, he's not showing these sort of, in air quotes, like uh, like textbook sort of issues. But then they're like, he's an alcoholic. And then he's actually quite paranoid about people thinking that he might be drinking. So he will immediately react in quite an aggressive way. But oh yeah, and it's so. But what one actually one slight thing that I thought about that um, when we're talking about Paul's PTSD, mm. what one thing I did find a little bit troubling, and I don't know if this was just me, and I'm hoping it is, but there's the scene because we're supposed post spoilers where he's gone off into the jungle and he's mm. fought everybody and he's shot everybody and he's d- done the shooty gun bit. But uh, after he's been bitten by the snake, yeah, and all this, that, and the other, but he sees the ghost of, yeah, um, Chadwick's uh, of Storm and Norman, yeah, and that seems to cure his PTSD because he's like fine after that. Well, I don't know. There isn't like he he goes into like a, like a focused level and then starts just being like outwardly aggressive to the guys that have like captured him. And, yeah, like, like, I would and, say, and that is like part of it you're like yeah that, that's how he would react anyway but it's i don't know it felt like i don't know because to me like his his reaction maybe that's just how he is like you say but like his reaction to those guys and the way he carried on the singing and all that that to me is like no nah, this guy still ain't right that's not the normal reaction you'd be pleading for your life you'd be trying to get out of yeah. it so to me i don't i wouldn't have said that post that sequence with chabot bozeman He's that yeah. much more. I think all he does is he's more at peace. He's accepted. I right. think that's yeah. what it is. But like the way he is with the guys who then eventually kill him and he dies in a fucking brutal way as well. Um, he's like, he's completely accepted the fact that he's going to die. But I feel like that is as a result of the conversation he has with Chadwick, where Chadwick, sorry, Stormy Norman, um, mm. absolves him. He says, look, I forgive you. It was an accident. Which yeah. is because that's another thing that we we find out in that sequence. They they do the flashback again. And you realise how Stormy Norman died, and it was yeah friendly fire. It was just they got snuck up on by uh, you know a Vietnam uh, Viet Cong fighter, Vietnam. um, and Paul sort of turned around and, and sprayed to get him. And whilst he got him, he also shot Chadwick Boseman's character. He also shot Norman, and and he died. Yeah. And he's been carrying around. So then it then informs all the, he's got all the guilt. And the reason that he worships him so much and the reason why going to get Norman is much more important to him than going to get the gold. And that makes a lot more sense once you know that. Yeah. Like to me, yeah, that was like, that final piece at the end was like, he forgave him. He says, it's okay. And then when he goes and faces his death, he's still not okay. He's still like, 
singing in the, like he's not but he's at peace yeah and, i just i like, thought it was like he was, was like singing in the face of defiance like yeah but that, that to me is, yeah that to me is still not like when you because my sort of thought of him is like when he's okay and when he's not full-on ptsd struggling i guess is when he speaks in the letter yeah so the yeah. letter that he sends to his son oh, that, that was, is that yeah but when he does that, that he's very rational and he's like, and he says, look, I don't want you to feel like you weren't loved. Um, and, and he's like, he's thinking clearly. That's him when he's clear, clear headed. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. what he really is. And I feel like he, that's still was not what he was like at the graveside when he was digging his own grave. No. If that, the guy who wrote, who wrote that letter had been there, then he would have tried to talk his way out of it. Or not talking about yeah. it, but he would have been more rational and said, "Look, guys, I'm sorry." Or like, been more humble and and rational about the whole thing. Whereas the guy was digging his grave, going, "No, yeah, I'm gonna die. Fuck it." Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah, you got a point actually. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It kind of I don't know. It might. I, I love been... that. There's that that many layers of this guy as a character. It's such a well done because, like I said, there's the guy yeah. who wrote the letter. There's the guy at the graveside. There's the guy like. Throughout the movie, his relationship with his son flip flops from almost from scene to scene. One minute he's very proud of him and he loves him, and he like like you say he has the whole scene where where did you go to school? And then the next scene he'll go, yeah. "Oh, son of mine, you're you're a betrayer. I know I wish you'd never been born." And all this sort of really nasty shit. And it will go from scene yeah. to scene, changing. It's like fuck. <laughs> like it's it's and it's such an amazing character study and and performance. It's just yeah, it's it's unreal. But it's it's. It's spectacular because, and, and like knowing people that have not so much PTSD, but knowing, like I've known people that have got like alcohol problems and drug problems, and like mm. you see the way that they react to people, and like you see how hurtful they are to people, not because of the way that they want to be, but because of the way that this thing has caused them to be that way, mm. and that again, like seeing the way that he, like when his son first turns up, and he's like, "I'm here to help you, Dad," like you didn't hide any of this stuff. Yeah. Like I came to find you and he's like, you've been an anchor around my neck like, you, since you've been born. And you're like, Jesus man, like that's your son. Yeah. But he is not him. It's like his condition. And that's not, that's not absolving it. That's not saying that, you know, people that have these conditions can get away with anything, but it's, it's so sort of painful to see it. And you just sort of really, really sympathise with the son who's just, you can clearly see that he's just been dealing with this his whole life. Yeah. And you just see that he just moves past it and he's like, no, dad, it's this. No, dad, it's this. And you're like, oh, fuck. But yeah, it's just so fucking powerful to see it that way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's... It's brilliant. It's really good. But like I said, it's all about that performance. Um, and I hope he oh, gets the recognition he deserves. Um, like I said, should. I think he should. But like I said, like, given that you know, Spike Lee's history with the Academy and all that sort of stuff, it's not <laughs> yeah, going to be It's, it's not going to be there. It's going to be at the, you know, you know, the Black Film Awards, basically. Um, those sort of... Yeah, you know, but like, maybe I hope for, like, because Netflix is really, uh, is being recognised by places like BAFTA and yeah. stuff like that as well. So I think that it's not just going to be the the sort of the other awards ceremonies that are out there. I still think it'll get recognition, but I think it deserves recognition from the grandest stage that there is from film, really. Like as much as 
you know, the academy isn't as well respected as it used to be. And there are a lot of problems within that, but they are coming like they are coming on. They are moving on from how they've been in the past. Yeah. And the improvements are being made, but it's but, can we get a little bit more acceleration in this? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah. We'll have to see. Um, anyway, that pretty much wrap it up for this one. Um, I think I don't know yeah. if there's anything else. I think we've kind of said everything we need to say about this, um, yeah. but definitely recommended. Um, hopefully, if you're if you're listening at this point, you've probably seen it. Um, what we're we going to do next, we don't know. Um, like I say, there are no. things coming out on the streaming platforms. There are still things being released digitally that came out earlier in the year um, that we want to catch up on. Things like again, talking about the same sort of subjects, Queen and Slim, which yep. is now so much more relevant than it even was when it came out. Um, I think yeah, that's definitely. something that we could have a look at, um, and yeah, other other things, Vivarium, something we've talked about doing. And then, yeah, I don't want anyone to think that we're doing this in a reactionary way. Like Queen and Slim was legitimately on our list from yeah, it was. I happened to pull that one out of there just because that's what the subject matter we're talking about now. But that is just happens to be one on our list that I literally saw earlier is now out on DVD, so it's available yeah. basically. Um, but yeah, there's there's loads. Um, there's loads of stuff still to do. We have talked about potentially doing some um, Christopher Nolan movies um, leading yep. to Tenet, which may or may not still be coming out. Um, and then- we're also going to, uh, yeah, and we'll just see what happens in terms of the whole cinema situation because by the sounds of it, a lot of cinemas are starting to reopen in July um, and they've just released this. Yeah, I think it's something like 450 movies are going to be available to watch at the cinema. And it's like, all the Harry Potter films, Mad Max is back at the cinema. Um, really? Empire Strikes Back is back at the cinema. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously going to go and see Empire like four or five times. Yeah, Back to the Future's back. Like every, loads of classics. I was just they're putting them all back at the cinema, so it might be a really good opportunity for us to go back and watch some older stuff. Yeah, that'd be sick, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, let us know what you thought of the Five Bloods. Yeah, drop us a um, message. And give us an or anything that you've seen recently during your quarantine that you think we should um, have a look at and review. Any hidden gems on any of the streaming platforms that we haven't yet to see. We tried watching another Netflix film the other week. It was called The Last Days of American Crime. <laughs> Do not watch that. We got about an hour in. And uh, it was one of the worst happened. things I've ever seen. It's legitimately one of the worst things I've ever seen. And it still has 0% of Rotten Tomatoes. And that's what drew us to it because we wanted to see how bad could it be. Turns out really bad. Really, really Turns out bad. It is that bad. <laughs> Re- really, really, really fucking bad. Like, I can't, I, I, uh, I have no words. I might go I back. No, I, no, I tell you, like, you found the, the perfect way around it, which is to go onto the Wikipedia page for the movie and read the synopsis, because yeah. that reads brilliantly. Uh, it's just the way that it's written. Yeah. Exactly. Like, if anyone is familiar with, like, our earlier, um, our earlier, um, episodes we, we used to do like a rundown like the five ten minute rundown of the films before we started trying to shorten up the episode length um but yeah it reads like that so go out and read that it's brilliant yeah um but yeah that, and there'll be other new stuff uh, being launched for sure in the next coming weeks that we'll we'll try and jump on um so yeah thanks for listening guys uh we'll see you on whatever Cheers, next one is. um and yeah thanks for listening see you later bye Yep. 
Yeah. Oh, okay, man. Because, oh, man, we're yeah, still, recording. I, I was, we're still yeah. fucking recording all this. Jesus Christ. Um, 